You're listening to the Thread Wellbeing Podcast, where we speak with new thought leaders about their sole purpose. We acknowledge the Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung people, the traditional custodians of the land this podcast is put together on. We pay our deepest respects to their elders past and present. Today's inspiring conversation is with Joe Baldwin Trott, personal brand strategist, mentor, and publisher of Proper Books. Welcome listeners. Tonight on The Thread, we are so excited to introduce you to Joe Baldwin-Trott. Joe is an, is an amazing author of three wonderful books, a director of a charity called 5050 Parliament. She's a personal brand strategist, mentor and publisher of Proper Books. She's an amazing mother to twins and I would say she's a beautiful friend. Welcome Joe. Oh, thank you, Teresa. A lovely intro. Thank you. Can I take you to all my interviews? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, so we are so excited to have you on just to really speak to you about what your sole purpose is and what you have found your calling to be as you move into this world of really looking at someone's personal strategy and offering that mentorship. Right. It, you know, it's such, a, it's such a good time to actually reassess everything. Know, what we have in our food cupboards let alone what we're doing with our lives and I think we are reflecting more I know you and I are on the same page with this Teresa that this is a time of monumental mindfulness um, and actually it, it's really giving us that little bit of extra time even if we're busy and I know you guys are busy I'm busy but just to really think well what am I doing how am I doing it am I am I spending my time with the right people am I just working and that's a biggie. Am I just working? Because, you know, I've spent many, many years just working, just doing what I felt I should do to tick a box, to please someone else, to fit inside a rule, a rule set. Um, and I think it's time now more than ever to uh, create your own rules, be a game changer, which I know is a big word for you guys right now, but be a game changer and tune into that internal voice and what your soul and what your deeper, truer values are. But you know, not the values you've been brought up with necessarily, not the ones you've had rammed down your throat, but the values that are solely yours. And I mean solely, S-O-L-E and S-O-U-L. <laughs> so both souls, um, because uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a big time. It's a big time for our planet, um, for the people on this planet. And uh, I'm thrilled to be here. So thank you for having me. Yeah, very well said. Oh, I, I agree 100% with you. I think monumental mindfulness is something that we are completely blessed with at this time. And if we are choosing to step into that, it can bring so many good things with it. I am interested, you speak from such a beautiful place of knowing and just within that introduction of, of wisdom. And I'm kind of curious to know where you started in your career life as to where you are now, because I know that there was a big transition for you. So if you wanted to share a little bit about that journey. Yeah, yeah sure. So um, I just see life as one whole continuous transition. Um, you know, like the word career, why do we have a career? 
No, life, uh, many careers. Um, we ha life is one big continuous career for me. Um, my aim as a, as a young child, inspired by my neighbours and my friends, was to become a police officer. So I did everything I should. Um, I got my degree under my belt um, and became a police officer, WPC 2684, um, got the uniform and then realized within months that this felt out of sync. I felt like I was pretending. Um, and then within two years, I realized that, hey, this is not cracked up to what I thought it was gonna be. I'd had abuse, I'd had harassment, the inequality, the injustice within, which is probably what's driven me to do books like Women Leading, um, was incredible. Disillusion doesn't even come close. Um, I was kind of depressed. You get the idea. So I realized actually this isn't my plan for life. People generally look, join the police service or a service or armed forces and they stay there because, you know, the pension's good at the end. Well, I just realized that this, uh, you know, seven years, well, actually, sorry, it's nine years with the voluntary stuff as well, was, no, it's time to change my own game. So, you know, like so many people, I suddenly had that moment, well, do I stay in what I thought I should be doing? What I've told everyone I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And that's a really big point because I think so many people stay in a channel of work, life, because everyone expects them to and you've told everyone you're going to do that for the rest of your life i told everyone i'm going to be a police officer for the rest of my life you know i'm going to work my way up and do this and do that so that story that i'd kept myself in that actually was like a barrier to myself moving out um, i'm moving on and i just had to get rid of it i just had to delete press delete and go doesn't matter what people say there's only one person that matters and that's me um, and make to make a change so I reset everything did my plan B which was teaching beautiful job um, I taught in 33 different schools over four years age 3 to 18 um, threw myself into teaching um, and then my own kids came along and that was obviously uh, you know a whole different time of thinking well what, what matters what's different um, and then sadly my divorce came along <laughs> so, <laughs> so a big moment of do I go back to teaching and spend all my cash my hard-earned cash on childcare, or do I do that really scary thing of starting my own business um, and now I look back you know I don't know if you guys feel like this but now I look back and think geez what, what was I so scared about you know I literally had nothing like only just food enough on the table so I don't know what I was scared. My ego was scared, right? So, um, so I just thought, oh, I'm going to start a business. Nothing to lose. Um, I have not had nothing literally to lose. So it worked from there and it's taken me, it took me probably five years to really grow into my skin of being an entrepreneur and really getting used to that almost incredible feeling of doing whatever I want to do and however I want to do it and with whomever I want to do it with. <laughs> So it's liberating and some. Um, so yes, I've had a bit of a journey to say the least, but uh, I would, I don't regret any of it. Um, and peppered with all of that, unfortunately, was a lot of trying, distressing, difficult times of um, mental health issues, family issues, court cases, um, which obviously 
is what I think gives you the ability to be sure about what life really is or isn't. Because when you've been through so much, so much difficulty and come out the other end, you realize actually how strong you are, no matter what's happening. Bring it on. I've got it. I'll get through it. Joe, uh, thank you for sharing and as deeply as you did in, in that moment, because I think for most people, we all start at a career never really knowing if it is what we're going to stay in. And, and I've had a very similar journey. I, I moved into the corporate world and, um, you know, had this whole accounting background, but it, there wasn't love there. And I think when you find passion or when you know that you're not passionate about something, you are not doing yourself any justice because you're not living from that sole purpose and, you know, and I, I look at who you are now and what you share and the work and the opportunity that you give to so many other people and also um, an opportunity for others to believe in themselves and then have the courage to shift. So I commend you for all of those roles coming together, that of service, that of teaching, um, that of writing. Uh, so you are an amazing author of some fabulous books. You have women leading, um, you have silver linings, and you have been fine, the other F word, um, and some others and some other writings that you've done in your past as well. But if you, if you may, please share with us about Women Leading and how that book came about. So Women Leading is a book really that I have wanted to create um, from a, being a little girl. Um, from that first conversation with that police officer, the police officer I was talking to you about, it inspired me to join. So I remember many conversations with them. The conversations that really stuck were from the woman, the, 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 the wife of the partnership, who was also a police officer and who would tell me about how difficult it was as a woman. Um, and then if you go through my history, I had, a, I had a female head teacher at school who did a remarkable job of running a huge school in the, the west of England. And she was literally four and a half foot tall. Um, she had a little dog <laughs> um, and she just, but she rocked it. She, if ever I learned presence, it was from her because no matter what was going on, she would walk down a, a corridor, hold her head up high, and she would own her space. Um, and so these, I've been blessed with kind of incredible role models, and role models are so important, I really believe that, to, to really value what, what, um, what opportunity should be there for women. And the more, obviously, I went into the police, I was the only female on a 10 group um, uh, team, so the, a lot of the problems I suffered in the police and the discrimination was for sure due to numbers. Okay, part of it was cultural, um, but a lot of it was due to, due, due to numbers. And obviously, as, as, I've as I've got, you know, in the last eight years, got more involved with politics and the 50-50 parliament, the, 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 the absolute um, unfairness, and obviously Julia Gillard is someone who was a huge aspiration and inspiration for me and that incredible speech which just gives me goosebumps just thinking about it um, those kind of women give a message of look i'm here now but listen to how bloody hard it was to get here and also why aren't there other women with me uh, i i speak you know i'm kind of friends with uh, one of our mps here wendy chamberlain 
you know, again, there's the, the numbers are horrible. This rate in the UK will take us 50 years to get to equality. We cannot wait that long. I mean, you guys are suffering the same in inequality. And I'm not talking token equality here. That is something that really gets my goat. You know, it, it's not a time just to get up the numbers. And a lot of corporates are doing that. A lot of the big banks are doing that. And it really packs me off. That is not positive recruitment. That's just get making up the numbers. Um, so it, don't give me, you know, I just don't believe that's a challenge. If you recruit well, you'll recruit equally too. Um, so all of that has inspired me as well as basically my brand just kicked butt. You know, she was recycling 85 years ago, my brand. She was ahead of her time. She was always telling everyone, we need to look after our planet. When nobody was talking about that, well, a few people were in my kind of British circle. Um, and she really led the way for me. And all those people I've met down the way have made me realize that so many people don't lead when they can. And also so many women don't see themselves as leaders when they actually are. And, and this, is a, this is a major problem, which is the focus of my chapter in the book. Because I think so many women are scared of giving themselves that title. Do you have a family? You're a leader. Have you done any kind of form of showing someone how to do something? You're a leader. You know, let PTA, whatever, you are a leader. We are all leading our lives. So give yourself permission to have that title and then just take steps to say, well, actually, where else can I put my gifts, my values, my strengths and help the bigger picture of our life and our planet and our communities? And I know this is something that's really close to your heart, Teresa, but you know, it's, this is the time to lead and look after who is around us and what is under our feet and what is around us. Um, and so that was the reason for the book. And I am phenomenally blessed to have 18 authors in that book for men because this is a conversation it's not a lecture it's not it's not a finger wagging exercise where women are going oh men aren't this men are that men are this no this is a conversation to create change and recognize where we've come from and what we need to do to make things different and lead differently for men and for women so there's a lot going on in the book and i'm super proud of it super proud of the books to come there's another seven at least to come <laughs> so it was only the the first step of uh first step of the journey really with uh, helping women to lead and i think it's um pretty incredible that we're having this conversation on the day that helen reddy passed so she was a melbourne singer who sung i am woman and i think everything that you've just shared is building as you said it's it's the equality there is this space for men and absolutely for that it's bringing the women and having that as as an equal playing field i am truly interested in what your work is with 5050 parliament um if you would please share what that is because i think that that's super exciting Oh, thanks. It really is. Um, and I can honestly say that, that what that organization has achieved in seven years, and seven years actually isn't very long. Frances Scott was at her kitchen table 
um, looking at her life as she was kind of slowing down on work, herself, three grown up children, and she just looked at what the state the country was in and actually how little females were represented in government. So she set herself a goal to create 50-50 parliament. Remarkable woman. Um, I admire her greatly. So she built a business, uh, an organization, sorry, it's a, it's a charity, but it is a business actually, because the goal is to achieve that. That is the objective. Um, and we worked collaboratively. So that is the joy of this. It's nothing to do with politics and it's everything to do with politics. <laughs> so we all we all work together. You know, I'm a Lib Dem, I'm a you know Democrat really. So I work with the Conservative Party, I work with um, the Green Party, Labour, we all work together to encourage women. We provide a support system, we provide education, aspirational um, kind of events and inspirational events. So I've just held my first speakers event for the women that sign up to stand. So the whole point of this is to encourage women to go to the website and sign up to stand, make that first step to do something more proactive about being in the political realm. Um, and then we support them. And these could be women that just literally want to go on the, like the local council or they want to become a councillor. But also it could be women that actually want to end up in the House of Lords and go the full, you know, the full journey and, and go into parliament and step up. So this last general election we've had, Wendy Chamberlain is the first Liberal Democrat on my list of all the candidates and uh, she is now in parliament um, and a tiny part she had an amazing mentor which is so key for women i really believe that that's you know it's almost like yeah have have that as the first priority for your next step to becoming a better and a bigger leader um, but 5050 has held her hand on in some ways supported her to become a parliamentarian um, so that is what we're all about and it's it's incredible. It, it's just, it feels like one of the most worthwhile things you can do. I may stand myself at some point, but my kids are, I'm a solo parent. Um, so at the moment, it just feels wrong for me to stand, but I have no doubt at some point I will stand myself um, because it's, it just feels like a natural progress. But um, I am thrilled to help other women who really don't see themselves as, as polit political kind of um, stalwarts, role models. They don't see themselves as knowing enough. That's a key problem. Um, but as my, my strap line for women who want to get involved is, do you care? If you do, you're, you're good. Off you go. You have, that's the only qualification you need. If you care and you want to do something about that, then get stuck in. And that's the only qualification you need. We have a mutual friend who is currently going for a local council position. Um, and everything that you're sharing now, I know that Kat and I are just thinking of her right now as you're sharing this. Did you want to speak to that, Kat? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, a woman who is very much aligned with everything that you've just said, you know, she's, she's entering into the, into the political game, not caring about politics. She cares about the change. She cares about where the future's going. And she knows that she has it in her to drive that force. And yeah, Teresa and I are totally both behind her. And I, yeah, we're really excited to hear what you're doing over there. So 
she'll be just as excited. So <laughs> That's amazing. Well, one of the chapters in the book is written by Frances Scott, the founder of 5050. So she may enjoy reading that as well. Actually one of, so a lady I mentored to be MP has written a chapter for the book as well. So I think she'll enjoy that. But can I just pick you up on a tiny little thing there about being into politics? So politics is like a, a cake, right? There's so many layers to politics. And actually I, th I think pro part of our issue as women is seeing that politics is, is uh, of a certain kind of framework created and absorbed and um, controlled by a certain type of person, white male, uh, you know, and actually it's not. Politics happens at the school gates. Politics happens when you get together at a book club with your mates. So actually politics is part of our everyday life and breath of what we do and how we do it. It's just part of being human. I think we need to lose this stigma um, that she sounds amazing. I think, you know, it's, we've got to, every, Everything that we say has power, right? We know how this all works, yeah. Um, Casey uh, Corbyn, this is this is his bag, you know, a a, a big uh, friend of yours. So he's, he, you know, his message is to be really mindful of what we say. And actually, by saying I'm not into politics, I hear that so much. Yes, you actually are. You just don't want to be interested in the historical, traditional, dull, white male version. Uh, actually, I'm going to say white, narcissistic, controlling, egocentric male version of politics. <laughs> I am woman, hear me raw. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Yeah, it's, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, I was just having a conversation with a good friend of mine yesterday who was talking about the political game in her work, you know, and that, yeah, wherever we wherever we go, as you said, you know, there is, whether or not it's it's the umbrella of what we're used to thinking of politics but yeah it happens in everything so yeah you're 100% right with the language that we use and and every part along the way and listen uh, I'm devastated about Helen Reddy so that song makes me cry literally does make me cry and I'm writing a book about my life and that song is the theme I want that to be the theme of the the movie because I want it to be a movie <laughs> why plan small go big um, so, you know, I, I, Helen Reddy was such uh, you know, incredible voice that she had. And I mean the internal voice as well as her external voice. And those, the words of that song, how, how can you not listen to that as a woman in today's world and not feel incredibly emotional um, and just joyful for actually what, where we are right now and where we've come since she wrote that song? This is a little bit old now, isn't it? But there's such a beautiful, powerful message in that song. And I think, you know, when we can sit with that and can sit with what she, what she stood for and where we are now, there is so much to be celebrated as well. Um, jo, what do you think the biggest challenge is, though, for women um, in, in achieving leadership roles or in achieving a position in politics? Like, What have you seen as perhaps the biggest challenge or the top three challenges that people, that women have in particular that have stopped them from breaking through that glass barrier? Self-doubt and fear of judgment. Mm. Self-doubt and fear of judgment. So not believing that they are good enough, that who, whatever they are and what they believe is right for the occasion, for the environment, and then fear of judgment. So fearing way too much that if they get it wrong, what will happen? 
So it's really, really that simple. Um, so we have to work on the internal voice. We have to really get to grips with what we value and what is within us and giving ourselves permission for that to be amplified. And this is my inward at the moment. <laughs> we need to amplify our voices. I've done, I've done voice workshops, I've done singing lessons, and eventually I got the confidence to be on stage singing in a band. But eight years ago, I was scared stiff of a microphone and I actually used to have a much quieter voice. My voice, literally, my volume in my voice has probably, I probably got a third more volume in my voice naturally now than I had 10 years ago. The question isn't how I did that, actually, the question is why? You know, because actually, thankfully, someone came into my path and blessings that that happened. And they said, do you want to do a voice workshop? I said, I have no idea what you mean, but something about that, you know, went with my gut. The best voice that we have is our intuitive voice. I went with my gut, rocked up to this voice workshop. Um, within a couple of hours, I was in tears. And then within a week, I was, I had just literally had this whole different feeling of who I was and how I deserved to be expressive and heard. And it all came down to, a, sadly, a, a family situation, something I'd learned as a child to not be valued, to keep quiet. Um, and this is, this is not common. There are so many people but you know, difficult family situations, all that early training. And I think that's a lot of it. You know, sadly, so many women get labeled as bossy. Oh, she's a, oh, how many times have I been told I'm an opinionated? Yes, bring it on. <laughs> I love being called that. Yes. Oh, thank you. That's great. Is that, sorry, is, is that meant to be something that's going to bother me that I'm opinionated? <laughs> Gee, okay. So men are allowed to say exactly what they think, but women are opinionated. Men are allowed to be strong and powerful and have a, have a booming voices and, and all the people around and create control. Women are bossy. I'm generalizing hugely and that's not always the case, but all these traditional, awful, stereotypical ways of seeing ourselves are what we need to personally work on do the personal work and then you can really start to live your true life it really starts from within it's, um it's you're touching on so many things you know and as we're all women on this panel tonight and how often are we t just going absolutely everything that you're saying you know we've been in that situation whether it is the language of something that's been used as you just said with the with the bossy and opinionated as as versus something else so it is uh, you know as women we've fought to come so far and it's still happening you know and it's and it's an everyday thing to find that equality i guess yeah, as and to find that strength to stand up to ideas that have been there for for generations, you know, and for for centuries, really, going back to when they used to burn women at the stakes. And this is a huge thing that you know, and a huge past of all of this. So, I guess, and this might be a big question, but in an ideal world, what does equality truly look like in your idea? 
equality should and will one day look like a balance of what needs to be representative everywhere and i'm talking about ethnicity as well as as gender equality so it means that there's representation is a better word than equality actually because equality suggests that it's oh it's really simple it's just about you know tipping the scales and it's so not it's about representation i mean in australia your government is your government representing your nation gosh you know it's you can't even you can't even look at that and say oh actually oh it's it's getting better at equality it's, it's just actually look at representation does does your you know and that is when each and every panel business board of directors government is representative of who who is who that organization is about who is um around that hub of you know that is equality and actually it's it's more about representation it's about equal voices and it's about the ability to be heard um, and no matter where you are so i think actually equality and representation is also to do with getting rid of hierarchy and uh, this is something that just is is horrid it's toxic our nation your nation built up on a basis of hierarchy and a very strict um, and uh, steep kind of um, curve of leadership or let me rephrase it manage, managing not leadership because I think leadership and managing are two different things um, so it's when that all starts to flatten out and actually we create a world of much more trust of kindness consideration compassion we don't need all of this because we're not trying to control all we're doing is trusting we're engaging and trusting and allow people to be who they are and do things the what they the way they want to and that needs representation because actually so much of my research for the women leading book and talking to all the different authors and the tv shows and everything it a lot of it comes down to perception and unconscious bias um, so actually it is education too and so many men I speak to say, I don't want to think like this. I'm working really hard <laughs> to get rid of these concepts and these values that I've learned. Um, so it's when we really value ourselves as actually, and I know Teresa would happily say this instead of me, but value ourselves as just truly human. We are simply human. That is all that we are. It's all we will ever be. That what happens on the exterior of us is actually completely irrelevant. We're just human and when we start seeing ourselves as that then we are having equality and representation who knows when that will be capped but hey let's hope it doesn't take too long because otherwise we're we're gonna get, get in more trouble than we are already <laughs> and i love the way you share that joe because i think you know not to in any way for us to to feel like we're belittling men because we appreciate and value a man's role but it's just such an important um, it's so important now that women stand up and, and they, they rise to that occasion and feel that they can own their skills and, and not even be on that equal pairing, but be have that level of respect, know that they can be heard, that their voice is heard, their message is heard. And I think there's so many beautiful elements that we have in, in the male form and in the female form. Like, you know, there is different 
different characteristics that we both bring in. And when you can marry them, then we have a powerful state. Then we have the mind that encompasses and encourages uh, equality um, amongst a whole nation. But when there is that uh, imbalance, and when women's voices are not heard or that nurturing aspect or that leadership, those, those skills are not really there. You tend to find that then the gap is just too large. So I love that you are starting to close that through the dialogue, um, you know, through writing the book and even through your your shows that you that you host. So speak to us about these two shows and, and what the what the purpose is in having these two. So the Women Leading Show is pretty sort of self-explanatory, really. So it very much allows the authors of the book, so these incredible women and men, to talk about leadership, to talk about their own challenges. Um, so one of my authors was a, a, a submarine commander in the Royal Navy, Mike, Mike Davis Marks, OBE. Um, he was in charge of, a, was it three billion pounds, I don't know, something ridiculous, submarine, you know, one, one of the most, he's, he's done, he had a, a lifelong career in the Navy, um, but his, his absolute belief is that we have trained ourselves to have different ways in our brains, um, so he's got an incredible insight, and obviously with his own experience, in some ways he should have written two chapters of the book, because with his own experience in the forces, which are historically male-driven, um, he has a, a fascinating take. So it's people like that that actually have so much more to talk about than just a chapter in a book. The other thing that really the book, the, the Women Leading Show allows, is when you hear the voices of, which is obviously what we did with Silver Linings, Teresa, right? We, we got, when you get an author, not someone who's paid to come in and read a chapter, which is wonderful and professional. When you get the person to read out their own words, the power is remarkable. And the message is so much more valuable, uh, valuable, valid and, um, and engaging actually. It just has much more of a punch. So it gives authors, uh, our next one is with Janelle Mansfield. She's in Canada and she writes about losing her backpack. She realized that she carried this backpack of emotional um, kind of baggage with her um, that came from her childhood and she had to get rid of it to be a better leader. And it took a lot of self-evaluation. So I've got two amazing co-hosts, Kim Adele Platz and Joanne Sumner. They are incredible women, have had their own journeys, so they host with me. So we have a bit of a giggle too, um, uh, and a bit of a laugh, a banter, which is nice and really good fun, like you guys, really. Um, and then the Amijo show is a funny one. So the Amijo show started because actually I have, I think the last count is 34 friends called Joe in my phone book, in my address book, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Um, some with an E on the end and some men, obviously. But yeah, so I kind of thought, well, why don't I just talk to all these Joes and like have a show and then have this aim. Okay, bear with me. But the reason why a lot of us are called Joe and I'm called Joanna is because Joanna Lumley. So the British icon, Joanna Lumley, a lot of us were named after her because all these dads were fixated and had the hots for her, right? 
So my aim for the media show is one day to have Joanna Lumley on my show. But in the meantime, <laughs> I, um, I actually get people on the show to have some real gift of inspiration. I, um, I think here's the thing about life, right? We attract what we are. And the more I have become true to my own voice and my message of getting us to value our uniqueness, the more unique people pop up around me. Well, like you, Teresa, you know, it, 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 you're, you're doing a unique thing with your life. So actually, I've got all this huge, um, I'm blessed to have a huge tribe of people and network of people doing something very unique and very purpose-driven and comes from within and a soulful place. So I figured I'm just going to have a chat with them and see what they'd like to share. So that's the Amijo show. So thank you. I really have a lot of joy doing it. It's brilliant. And obviously at the moment, I'm interviewing quite a lot of the authors for the Being Fine book. A lot of men that are amazingly sharing their problems and their struggles to help inspire other men to uh, to share to and be more open. I am uh, pretty excited to hear more about that book because I have been super blessed to um, have a copy of this and to be listening to um, the Spotify version of it as well. And I just really wanted to thank you for the for putting this together i know that it was a collaborative effort and it was um but it was your publishing company that published this book so it's a huge thank you it came out at the right time during covid where my mind in particular started to think oh, okay you know we're in a bit of a bad space here what's as a positive person what are the ways that I can look and choose to see the silver linings in all of this? So yeah, your book came at the exact right time and it is, it speaks to so many different people. And I love that this book has so many different like stories, you know, from the, the sister who was writing a letter to her sister who worked in ICU and just there's so much Teresa, <laughs> you know, and just, yeah, I, I just have to say a big, big thank you for publishing oh. this book. Well, thank you. That really gives me so much joy to hear that because that's what I wanted it to be. I, that's how I foresaw it. Um, and to say it's diverse is a, you know, a real understatement in a way, isn't it? Because, you know, unfortunately I'd probably like to make it more diverse and have had time to speak to someone who was homeless and then you know there, there are so many people of different cultural backgrounds that I would have liked to but you know you can only do it was a charitable book so I didn't earn anything from doing that book um so I had to ha I had to have a bit of a deadline because um you know unfortunately the bills need paying so um so thank you I really really appreciate that feedback it was an absolute just incredible joy to create that book um, and here's a funny thing, and I know Teresa will find this quite amusing. So Mike came to me and mentioned the book, and I already had it in my head, and he wanted to co-edit with me. So Mike Davis Marks, the submarine commander I mentioned earlier, and he um, he said to me, right, well let's you know let's focus on these you know the incredible stories like Captain Tom, who's you know done this for the NHS and raised all this money, and I said yeah that'd be great. And so what do I do? I, I speak to people like Teresa and, and uh, Sarah and Jamie, um, you know, with the YAPA work. And I start talking to people about the environment and the planet and 
and I, I was forwarding, forwarding him the chapters. Um, and I don't, I don't think I've shared this with you yet, Teresa. And he was like emailing me back going, uh, uh, I think I'm missing something. And I was like, because he's not involved. So here's the thing, we all work on the layer we're at, right? He's, you know, he's just come out of the Navy. You know, he's been in a cerebral world of, of armed forces and all the strategy. So when he read your chapters, Teresa and Sarah's and Diana's as well, you guys all beautiful chapters from <laughs> Australia, it totally flummoxed him. And he was like, well, is this going in the book? I was like, oh, are you kidding me? He just didn't get it, bless him. And he said, well, this doesn't really go with my chapters. I said, it doesn't have to. <laughs> I know he won't mind me sharing this. But it's like, this is the very thing that we need in this book because yes, it's about achievement. Yes, it's about the turning something out of the bad, out of the, the good out of the bad, but also it's a moment of recollection and mindfulness. And I'm really grateful for you guys, yourself, Diana, your chapters are just beautiful and they bring everything back to what we need to consider, which is actually, this is about our planet. I really believe that. I know you guys believe that. So, it was pure joy doing that book, it really was. Uh, and Joe, I want to just reiterate that as well and, and the gratitude that uh, Kat was sharing with you because for me it came at such a beautiful point because I had all of these words that I was, you know, forming as I was going on my daily walks because we're not working and I was walking along the beach and I was having all this inspiration and these stories were just, you know, and, I, and exactly what I wrote in that was were visions that I had. Um, and I, and I love what you've just shared about Mike because I did actually have to change my chapter slightly. And once you told me, you know, I just got it, you just got to alter it so much. And I knew that there was, it was Mike. So there was, the way I reworded it was thinking about the frame of mind that Mike might have been in to just reword it to grab him. Um, but look, yes, I've got mine here and it's such a, it's my little baby. I feel so honoured to have been part of this what i love though is that in that i've had friends who've reached out um i talk about cheer squads i've had friends who've created their cheer squads i've had friends who are creating this little gratitude journal and it just highlights because every story in there and this is what i love about you joe is that you have been able to use that time which we were all navigating through a time with so much uncertainty. We didn't know how to communicate these emotions, but you gave us an avenue of how we could somehow tunnel that emotion into words and still offer inspiration and every single story in silver linings. This is what I love about the book is that that book could have been written for any period in time and it's a forever book. It doesn't matter where we are in our life, whatever dark moment or period that we go through, we can find a blessing, we can find the silver lining and you can pick this book up and the way that you particularly have formatted this is that it's just not solely for COVID times. Like you can pick this up at another point in time or when you're going through your own personal health journey and find inspiration in the words of every single author in that book. And that is what I love that you've given us a voice, which now leads me into being fine. You know, one thing that I have been really big and I've been saying since I've moved into the wellness sector 
is that we need to take care of mental health. It is, if, if we just took care and invested in mental health, everything else would start to take care of itself. There has not been enough that's gone into how, how do we care um, for that sector? And it's such a big component for all of us. And we all know someone who's gone through a journey and we've all gone through our own individual journeys where we've had moments where, you know, we've, either had depression or we've had anxiety or confusion, your book being fine opens the dialogue, particularly for our men who really need to feel that they can express and can express safely and also shine light on something that should not be hidden, should not be swept under the carpet because it impacts on every single person. And, um, what I'm liking about what you're sharing in this and the speakers that you're getting to share their story is that that one story from that one author in your book is going to help so many people. It'll be that ripple effect more than you will ever know. Oh, thank you, Teresa. I, I really hope so. I really hope so. And again, you know, I've, I've been blown away by the chapters. Um, so they come in and I, I read them and yes, I edit them a little bit because one of the slight challenges of co-author books is that you want it to have a, like a flavor through it. And so Anna, you want the reader to be able to easily go from one chapter to another, experience the different voice and experience and what is being said, but also feel like they're in a trusted place. Um, you know, and I, I, that's what I really try and achieve with my co-author books, um, rather than having a, a kind of a jig-jag Jig, 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 is that what <laughs> zigzag kind of you know up and down experience but yeah I mean that is the aim of the book because it's so we all not just need to talk about mental health we also need to be, do something proactive to support others and this f word that gets used um, mostly by men uh, and that's a fairly big straw poll I've done now mostly men use it obviously there's a load of acronyms for f-i-n-e um, and most of them start with a swear word. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of different ways of, of saying fine, but actually fine means nothing. I, um, I kind of equate it to uh, polystyrene. Kind of, it's there and it's hanging around, but actually it's really damaging for the environment. It serves us nothing. We can do other things than use polystyrene, and we should. And that's a, like, <laughs> it's a strange analogy, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> So that's the word fine. And, you know, it's, it is a swear word. We must really, really uh, engage and support men to not only as a way of saying, look, I'm here, but also we need to question. And actually, I would even bring this also back to equality and discrimination. We need to uh, take more responsibility and question. So when someone comes to you and says, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. Are you really? Are you sure? You know, I, and ask those other questions. Don't accept the, the inspiration for this book, the final inspiration. And yes, I've had my own personal journey after my girls were born. Um, my marriage hit such a bad place. I was in a, a domestic abuse situation and I considered the worst. A lot of my authors have also been there. So I, I can empathize with what these guys are writing that probably helps I suppose 
but it's really important that actually we recognize that it's um it's more than just talking about mental health it is actually allowing men to create a safe space to share um, one of my authors kapil gupta in fact kapil casey they are creating a lot of men's workshops uh, simon walker uh, men's workshops where there are times and spaces for men to be sharing and more open with how they feel so actually by calling it the other f word if we can get that kind of on a big campaign it is the other f word we shouldn't be using it it's damaging um, let's be more honest you are not weak if you share that you are struggling you are not pathetic if you admit you cry at night you know the saddest thing that men are conditioned and trained to do from a very early age in britain and i know also australia you, you know you're we're so so similar in our cultures in so many ways is that you're not allowed to cry man up you know get a grip uh, it could be worse um so these are sayings that are just hideous they're toxic and they encourage men to suppress their emotions so we need to flip this and i know your work patrisa um casey is on this he's all about affirmations but it, it's already proving quite powerful having these guys and it's interesting because i've got so many people that want to write in the book and they are they are worried about publicizing their story um, because ultimately to publicize a story you have to you have to face it full on um, and, but I admire them for even considering it because I know it's not easy. But thank you. I'm, it's the there's a charity line with every book I do. This is um, My Black Dog. My Black Dog is a great charity and they encourage men especially to speak up, to talk online so they don't even need to pick up a phone. They don't need to verbalize it because that's really hard to do. So they can go online, talk about their issues. People on the end of those lines have been there. So they're not just trained counsellors that you know may have just been to university they are people that get it so my black dog is founded by nikki clark she is amazing um, and she will be writing the forward for the book so i really appreciate your support Teresa. you've already um, set me up with casey who is one of my authors casey corbin reverend casey corbin what a guy he is oh my gosh i cannot wait to read his story i'm like when is your story coming in i want to read it now <laughs> I just have uh, so much gratitude for you. I, I, you know, this, this hearing you talk tonight, I've read so much on your website, but to hear you speak about um, gender representation from both sides so passionately, I am so I'm so thankful that you are doing what you're doing. And I, it's, I had this image of like little, it's not fairy dust because fairy dust sort of can blow away, but like maybe just drops of magic or stars. And I think that the um, eclectic person that you are and this, and it's, yeah, it's like there's this star. You're just, you're shining onto so many things. And I have just had my heart warmed tonight by hearing you talk and hearing what you do. Thank you. You're really, really sweet. That's eclectic. I like that word. I would definitely use that one myself. <laughs> Thank you. It's been such a joy talking to you guys. It really has. I really appreciate your time and your support with the books and everything I'm doing. So thank you. 
Oh, Joe, we, we have loved having you on because you are really what we're about. And that is, you know, speaking from that soul place and being able to share. And you are shedding light on so many different avenues. And just in, in going back to your book, um, Being Fine, you're making that conversation normal. And I think that's what's important is that there is actually nothing, it shouldn't be the stigma that's how it that has been around it. You know, this is something that happens every day for most people and we go through stages and I think you are normalising that to allow that conversation to take place so that healing can take place. So I want to sincerely thank you for that, but also for your own journey and in, in reflecting on your own journey and being able to find the silver linings in each of those stages of your life to not only create some healing through your own journey, but to take that now. And I'm so excited that Australia is connecting with you. Um, and, you know, and I want our listeners to know if there is a book inside of you and you are truly wanting to write something and you've never known how to start the process, um, don't know where to go, need someone to navigate that through or mentor you through it, then this is the woman that you need to speak to. Um, you know, as you can all see here, Joe's spirit is, there's such tenderness in what you share, Joe, but it's strategic in how you deliver it. And I think that's the beauty. And we can find that strength in you. Um, we just, yeah, I just love you. I love what the gift of allowing me to write um, gave me and a lot of my internal fears and all of that. So, and I see your mission um, and I'm so grateful that you are no longer a cop <laughs> and that you followed your sole purpose because in doing that, you have opened those channels for so many other people. So blessings to you, my friend. <laughs>